Our reading this morning is taken from Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, through to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Amen. Colin, thank you so much, and David as well for those lovely prayers. Um, well, i um, been uh, thinking about overflowing with thankfulness, and there's a stream of thankfulness that goes all the way through this letter uh, called Colossians. And, uh, do you know, it's, um, <clears throat> I was very thankful last week to have the opportunity to run the London Marathon. I was so excited about it. And uh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> milk lots of sermon illustrations from running a marathon. But um, one was uh, last week, um, as we were running along, and we got past like mile 20, and it was, I can't remember exactly when it was, it was getting towards the end. And a guy just... Um, a few people, you know, like, I don't know, 15 yards ahead or 10, 10 yards, or 15 foot, I don't know, uh, just ahead said, uh, he cried out. He said, I'm in so much pain. <laughs> and, uh, and everybody else laughed <laughs> because we all said, well, that's, that's not just you. <laughs> uh, but it was a positive pain because the end was in sight and I brought you the, the medal that was at the end, you see. Um, we had the glory of having the finish line. It wasn't quite in sight, but it was, we knew it was coming up. And we could get there, and it was a positive pain because we knew our destination. 
I have run a marathon, I can say that now. But something I can't ever say is that I've given birth. <laughs> but I'm told that that can be painful as well. <laughs> but am I right in saying that it's a positive pain? Because of the end result. And I'm told that for mothers, God sometimes just wipes their mind clean of her. Yeah, I'll have another child. <laughs> so there is a pain that is positive because of the outcome, because of the finish line, because of what comes at the end. And Paul, as he writes this letter, is in pain. He's suffering. But get this, he says, I rejoice in what I'm suffering. I'm actually filled with joy as I suffer because it's not meaningless pain. You know, if there's, there's a pain or suffering that's just endless, it just seems, what's the point? That's, there's no joy in that, but for Paul there's a joy. Because he's suffering, he says, for you. I'm suffering for you, the church. He's the big leader overseeing so many churches, and yet he is suffering but he sees it as being suffering for them. And one way he's, he's kind of suffering, or he's certainly toiling, is he says, I am contending for you. I'm strenuously contending for you with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. In what way is he contending for them? He's praying for them. He's in labor because he's praying for the church. I've been really challenged by this as I've been reflecting on this. How much do I sort of do battle in prayer for God's people? The Apostle Paul, although he'd never actually met this church, labored in prayer for them. They mattered so much to him. He interceded. He cried out to God. He knew that there was work to be done in prayer for them. The other way in which he's suffering, of course, is he's physically in prison. He's in jail. He's, chapter 4, he says, I'm in chains. And often Paul wrote his letters when he's in prison. He had time to do it. He's in prison, not because he's robbed a bank or something. He's in prison because he's been preaching the gospel. And they've locked him up. They want to put a stop to him. But they won't put a stop because he'll write a letter. But he rejoices in this suffering because it is for them. There is a point to it. And then he says something really, really weird in this passage. I, I do encourage you to read Colossians. It's very dense, there's a lot in it, but it's, it's really worth reviewing. He says this, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. You might I think I just pass, I don't understand that at all. He seems to be saying, or would he, he can't be saying this, he seems to be saying, Maybe Jesus didn't suffer enough when he died on the cross. And I'm adding to the suffering. You know, Christ didn't suffer enough, so I need to suffer in his place. Do you think that's what he's saying? It will go against pretty much everything else he does say, if that's what he's saying. I know it sounds a little bit weird. But what he's actually saying is this. See, when Jesus died on the cross, yes, it was once for all. It was finished. But as he died on the cross, 
He was God's son, Christ, in a human body. He died, he rose again, sent it into heaven. But the body of Christ is no longer on the cross. The body of Christ is us. And if we're to follow a crucified Savior, there will be suffering for us as well. We are a suffering church as we follow Jesus. Yes, we're victorious through the fact that he rose again, but we're also following a crucified Savior. And as Paul labors in prayer, as he suffers on behalf of the church, he says that, well, the Christ body is still here in the church. And if we're going to be true Christians, we're called to suffering as well. It's the way of the cross. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about it that much. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to take up your cross and deny yourself. That is a way of suffering. We may suffer in different ways, but that is the call. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is now the church. So the Apostle Paul was not a shiny, glittery church leader and nothing ever touched him. He suffered on behalf of the church. And he suffered also because he was called to serve. I've become a servant, he says. Your servanthood. It's not flashy, it's not cool, but it's what we're also called to, servanthood. One of my uh, heroes in the faith is a man called Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson wrote a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. And uh, he also wrote lots of books, and he was a pastor for 30 years, and then he was a lecturer in a college. And then he retired to his, uh, where he grew up in Montana. And people would go out and seek, seek out Eugene Peterson. Um, Bono from U2 went out and went, sought out Eugene Peterson. There's a video on YouTube of Bono and Eugene Peterson in conversation. Anyway, one person came to find Eugene Peterson, the great Eugene Peterson, went to his church in Montana. And uh, went to the church, just a normal church, normal service, little, little local church. And at the end, he said to the minister, he said, I thought Eugene Peterson worships in this church. And he said, yes, he does. Well, where is he then? Well, he was the guy on the door who showed you in. <laughs> Not big time, but just willing to serve. God is calling us as servants. We're called to serve. The Apostle Paul ultimately saw himself as a servant. God commissioned him to preach the word, and we might serve in different ways, but ultimately, you know, we don't use church as a platform to do anything other than serve. We're here to serve. Well, Eugene Peterson wrote lots of books. Do you like books? Does anyone like books here? Does anyone like murder mysteries? Has anyone, has anyone read Richard Osman, The Thursday Murder Club? Did you think, I know some of these people. It's set in a village near you in Kent. It's a retirement uh, home and, and these uh, uh, retired people solve a murder. And uh, it's a murder mystery. And if you ever read those books or you watch those kind of programs, isn't it always the case 
that when the mystery is revealed, the culprit was right there all along. In plain sight. Ah! Oh, it was whoever, the gardener, the chef. I'm not spoiling the book. Never, would never do that. I can't even remember what happened in that book. So, the mystery, when it's revealed, ah, he was there all along. Didn't see it coming. Didn't recognize him. Well, twice in this passage, Paul uses the word mystery. And he says, God has revealed a mystery. But what is this mystery? This mystery is Christ. Jesus himself is the mystery of God. Knowing the mystery of God, namely Christ. Do you know... People go in search of mystery. Some people go on wild goose chases. They love a good mystery. And I get that. But if you want to find the mystery of God, he's right here. It's Jesus. And he's been revealed. You can go all around the houses, but ultimately always, always, always come back to Jesus. He is the mystery of God. Kept hidden for ages. Many people can't see him. But he's there. Many people would search for God in, in maybe in the New Age. Or all sorts of other places. They might not even think to look in the local church. But he's the mystery of God. And the mystery of God is in us too. The mystery of God revealed to you, revealed to all, pe all people, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now I want us to say this phrase together because it's just a priceless phrase. We're going to repeat it a few times. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Can we say this together? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's say that again. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow. Christ in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory. How is he in us? He's in us by his spirit, as Paul prayed, not the Apostle Paul, Paul Gregory, prayed earlier. <laughs> He's in us by his spirit. Now, when we see the word you in the English language, we think maybe of individually, and that's true, of course, but it's also true in us as a people. You, plural. Christ is in you, plural. And this is the miracle of God. Sometimes I think this is a mystery too, but this is where God has chosen to dwell among his people. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are a glorious people. Do you believe that? Because Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Wow. Maybe you like reading murder mysteries. Does anyone like kind of an old-fashioned gripping yarn? Has anyone read any of those kind of books? I'm in the middle of reading one at the moment. It's really long. Uh, I was going to bring it here, but it's so heavy I couldn't carry it. It's called The Count of Monte Cristo. Has anyone ever heard of that story? Yes. <laughs> ah. It's a page-turner. It's very long, but it is a page-turner. And uh, if you don't want to watch it, just uh, read it, just watch the film. But uh, <clears throat> in it, Edmund Dantes is wrongfully com convic uh, convicted of a crime he didn't commit. 
He gets put in prison, uh, thrown in a dungeon to rot, but then miraculously escapes. But while he's in the dungeon, he learns of a treasure on the island of Monte Cristo. So then he escapes, finds buried treasure, and becomes the Count of Monte Cristo. And I can't spoil the end because I haven't read it all yet. <laughs> he finds buried treasure which makes him fabulously wealthy beyond anyone's wildest dreams. Well, do you know that you are fabulously wealthy beyond anyone's wildest dreams? Now, some people preach that Christ will always make, will make you financially rich if you have enough faith. And he may well bless you to be a blessing to others. But there's no guarantee of that. What there is an absolute guarantee of is that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Real treasure that is worth far more than, than a £10 note that you might cut up. <laughs> is a treasure of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And this is all to be found in Jesus Christ. Again, you can read all the books you like, but ultimately you want to find wisdom, you find that in Christ. You want to find knowledge, you find that in Jesus Christ. You want treasure. You want to be rich. Be rich in Christ. That is the, the riches that will last forever. My goal, Paul says, is that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. <clears throat> Paul was rotting in a jail cell like Edmund Dantes. He wasn't financially rich. But he had treasure because he knew that he had Christ in him, the hope of glory. Don't be deceived. There are deceptive arguments, and Paul, we'll talk about it next week as well, but Paul says, I don't want anyone to be deceived by fine-sounding arguments that ultimately lead you away from Jesus. Treasure, mystery, it's all found in Jesus. He is the one we proclaim, Paul says, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature, in Christ. Now, who here thinks they're mature? Anyone think they're mature? You're quite an immature bunch, actually, so it would seem. <laughs> now, we can grow physically mature, right? <clears throat> but still be immature in Christ. Actually possible. But God's will and his goal for us is that we become mature, fully mature. That's God's will, that we grow in our understanding of treasure, that we grow in our understanding of the mystery, all of it found in Christ. That's God's will for us. God isn't finished with you yet. God isn't finished with me yet. And as we gather together on this bank holiday weekend, God is with us. Christ is in us. And he's the hope of glory. Do you know that you have glory in you? Eternal life starts now. You don't have to wait. This is now. Glory. 
So don't miss the treasure. Never knew it would be the gardener. <laughs> don't miss who done it. It's right here. The hope of glory. Bless you, Jesus. Jesus isn't in us when we pray a certain prayer or we tick certain boxes. He's not in us just when we sing the right songs. Christ is in us right now. Always. And sometimes we choose not to see him. Sometimes we're blind to what he's doing. Lord, open our eyes to what you're doing in my life now. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to bring glory to Jesus' name in this place. God has chosen to make known glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. God has chosen. Lord, we don't know why you chose to do it, but you have chosen to reveal yourself to us, to make yourself known among us. Thank you. We're grafted in, that we're part of this story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just going to leave a, a moment of quiet. been thinking about fracking you if you know about fracking um, it's all it's all about getting oil out of the shale that's deep in the ground and uh, I won't go into the technical details but just if to get that oil and gas out of the shale you drill down perhaps you, you drill down a mile into the ground and then you turn the corner and drill maybe two miles into the shale along the seam of the shale so it's all that drilling, and then they pump all kinds of stuff, but mostly they pump water down through the piping, through the drill holes, to get the oil out. And as the oil comes out, you might have um, earthquakes, that sort of thing, as a result of the, all this drilling and pressure. Uh, as Dan was talking, <coughs> I'm just wondering whether... You know, that buried treasure of the oil and gas, to get it out, are you prepared for the drilling down into your life that might need to go on? And the pumping of the water of life, 
God's Holy Spirit into you wow. to get that treasure out. And with the result that it might cause some earthquakes. Wow. Uh, some trouble in your life, maybe. But if you want the treasure to come out, you need to let God drill and pump down into your life. Are you willing to let God get the treasure out of you? Wow. Then be willing for God to do the work that's necessary in your life. Wow, that's a profound word. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Wow. God is revealing all wisdom, all understanding, treasures. And he does that to you, to his people. You're his child. Thank you for what you brought, Chris. It's so powerful. This church, Lord. Bless you. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, God. We bless what you're doing. Thank you for the way you're working among us, Lord. If the Lord is drilling down, as it were, as Chris said, don't resist the Holy Spirit today. Don't resist him. <clears throat> don't resist what God is doing. Receive what the Lord is doing. We're going to sing our final song and hand over to Paul.